Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of the Information Security Media Group and GovInfoSecurity.com. I'm speaking with Howard Schmidt, the president of the Information Security Forum, an independent not-for-profit association aimed at harnessing the brain power of public and private sector experts in IT security and risk management. Professor Schmidt is recognized as one of the world's foremost authorities on information security. Thanks, Howard, for taking time to speak. My pleasure to be here. Thank you. What are the greatest challenges the federal government faces in developing an IT security culture? Well, I think there's there's a few things. One, we have come to take the IT systems that we use almost for granted in the fact that they're always going to be there, that there's always somebody else looking after not only maintaining them, but more importantly for our topic, the security of them. And as we've seen over the years, we've seen personal computers become even more computer. It's a shared responsibility between those that are providing the services and those of us that are using the service to make sure that not only are we using it to its fullest capabilities, which is just absolutely wonderful, but also to make sure that they're secure. As we've gone through the years, we've focused more on the rich and robustness and, and the great technology it brings us and sort of not put as much forward as we needed to, you know, the, the risks that are out there and more importantly, how one could, could really do things themselves to mitigate those risks. So what should the government be doing to get the people who use these systems to do what should be done? Well, there's a few things. It's, it's like any other organization, whether it's government or private sector. It's got to be part of the culture of the organization. And by that, what I mean is the fact that it's got to come from all levels of the organization. For too many years, we've heard the security people talking about, we need to do this better, we need to do more secure, we need to use antivirus, we need to use anti-spyware, and sort of the litany of technologies that one would use to help protect a system, but not necessarily to protect the overall environment. What we've seen over the past few years is where you have the highest levels of an organization say, not only do we get tremendous benefit from these IT systems that we're using, but we also see tremendous risk out there. And as a consequence, as a part of the corporate culture, as part of the way we do business, we have to look after the issues around risk management, about security, about the technology security, about the information we put on the systems, how we handle those systems, what we do with the data, which is also important. And it comes from the top down. And what happens then, it becomes part of something that people recognize as part of the things that they need to, to worry about as well and also can receive the benefits from. And we probably have seen that most recently with the announcements by President Obama back in May talking about how recognizing the IT infrastructure is part of a critical national asset and how that there are not only people out there that are looking to do harm against our IT systems because of our culture, because of our way of life that we treasure so much, but also that there is a tremendous opportunity here for people to become more involved, to do more to secure the things. We've seen the same sort of discussions in the United Kingdom recently with Prime Minister Brown talking about a cybersecurity culture for the country and everything else. So we're starting to see that, and I think that really, really sends the right message, and it sets the right tone. This is not something that's just a technology piece, it's a national identity. On President Obama, he announced two months ago, as you pointed out, that he was going to have a cybersecurity coordinator. And one hasn't been picked yet. And there are some people who are concerned, I guess, over two things, why it's taking so long. And secondly, where that person should be within the administration. A lot of people who are supporting the president on his cybersecurity initiatives are somewhat critical of him because they don't feel that person would be high enough in his administration as, as he calls it, a coordinator. What's your views on that? 
Every organization had to decide which works best for them. This has been a long-term debate that we've seen, once again, in, in corporate environments where where is your security person? Is it better in the IT organization? Is it better in the strategies organization? Is it better in the finance organization? And there's arguments to be made all over the place. I think the two key things that we need to worry about here is one, first and foremost, and that's the fact that this is a presidential imperative and the president recognizes that we have to do this right. We just can't go out and sort of fill this for the sake of meeting some particular deadline. On the same token, we have to make sure that the power of the office of the executive office of the president is behind it. So whether it's reporting to the National Security Advisor, National Economic Advisor, or it's someplace else, as long as it has the ability to do what needs to be done to coordinate not only across the government agencies, because if you look now, what we have seen across Department of Homeland Security and Energy and, and Defense and, and the FBI, we see a new cadre of highly professional people that are working these issues that have a new mandate, a new lease on life, if you would, working this. And so there's part of the core thing that's going on right there is by these folks that are in place doing what they need to do to make the environment more secure, not only for the government systems, which is vitally important, but also working with their private sector partnerships. So when you talk about a coordinator, that's just that, is take the good work that's uh, being done to make sure that it's being prioritized across the various agencies to make sure that the, uh, the resources are necessary to help facilitate these things. So quite honestly, I have little concern about the time frame or the position, just the fact that it's got the right people doing the right thing and for the right reason. As you know, your name has come up with that job. Would that be something you'd be interested in doing? Well, you know, it's the public service, I think, is anything that any American would like to do. I see it pop up once in a while, and it's one of the things that I think it's important to recognize. If ever an opportunity comes to serve our country in, in some fashion, I, I sit on some government boards now as an advisor that I think it's important. Have you talked to the White House about this cybersecurity position? A lot of people's names come up, and I think there's obviously they've got a, a very important decision to make. Understood. Going on to a different topic, we're in the midst of a recession, and governments, especially at the state and local levels, have seen budgets shrink. How much is cybersecurity dependent on funding, and how much from innovative thinking? I think one of the things that we've seen in the past few years in particular that when we start looking at bending for security specifically, I think we've long moved beyond where you had to fight for budgets to uh, uh, intrusion detection systems and antivirus and stuff. Those are things that are just being recognized as part of an IT system now. Clearly, there's always a risk when you start losing personnel. You start having to make tough decisions for priorities on law enforcement resources or you wind up putting in a new distributed denial of service attack system. So as a consequence, there's always that risk. And I think one of the good things that we've seen is much of the work that needs to be done has been identified is in progress, that there are some things that can be done as far as patching systems and installation of systems and configuration of systems and identity management that don't cost a lot of money, basically evolve doing things in, in, in a smarter way or developing some processes off of, for example, like with the ISF and the standard of good practices, the ISO standards that are out there that are available that people can use to help make their systems more secure without spending money on them. Clearly, at some point, we need to continue to move forward and, and do some expenditures. People need to be trained constantly, and that's one of the things that probably that I look after quite a bit. Well, how are we training and what are we doing to train the next generation of security professionals to deal with the newest technologies that are out there? How do we identify the newer risk? When we look across the board, there is a risk. It's not as great as it could have been a few years ago. The other thing which I think is really reinforcing, particularly for state and local governments, we've had the multi-state ISAC in place 
place for about seven years now, and this is the Information Sharing Analysis Center, which all 50 states and their security people meet regularly on teleconferences. They, they share information. They help each other on dealing with specific technical problems and things. So as a consequence, they're in much better shape now because they've got a really well-developed, comprehensive program across all 50 states working with each other, which, you know, like anything else, it helps keep the burden off of one of them when they have the ability to work across the other state lines and, and look to what has someone else done to secure a system that my state can do that's not going to cost me a lot of money. We looked at one direction toward the states. Now let's talk a little about internationally, which you're involved in. How important is international collaboration in protecting individual governments' IT systems and each of their nation's critical IT infrastructure? Well, I think it's vitally important. As, as we've seen over the past few years, you know, of course, in the United States here, we have long had tremendous dependencies on our IT systems just for so many things. It's moved beyond just entertainment in the early days. It's the way we pay our taxes. It's the way we book travel, the way we do banking and do commerce. So there's a lot of things that are just ingrained in the day-to-day life that we live. But when you look at the international basis, as the developed countries like us become more dependent, obviously they have to do things to secure their government systems because they wind up having very similar e-government initiatives as we have here in this country. And you see this from Southeast Asia to across the continent of Europe, where governments and citizens are interacting online through the Internet or Internet-based technologies on a regular basis. When that happens, the dependency becomes greater. When that dependency becomes greater, the expectation is it's going to work, it's going to work most of the time, if not all the time, and we have to have security and things built into it, which is why when we see on an international basis, many countries are developing their own national strategy to secure cyberspace, while we're also seeing many companies working with the governments and the private-public partnership to make sure that everyone's using the best practices, the best technologies, the best methodologies. Looking across the international spectrum, we have, for example, in the European Union, we have the European Network Information Security Agency, or ENISA as it's known, which basically looks looks after that. Across the Asia-Pacific region, we have the AP-CERT, which is the Computer Emergency Response Team. So there's a lot of activity going on, and I think every country, small and big, whether it's a very highly developed economic nation or it's a developing nation, recognizes that a secret to a lot of the things that are going on are going to surround our ability to not only deploy, but also secure IT systems. I guess you saw the New York Times article this weekend about cyber warfare and the Bush administration not going ahead with an attack against Iraq's financial interests. That seems to suggest that there is a certain interconnectivity among all nations, that it's hard to differentiate friend from foe. What's that impact on cybersecurity? The strength of the Internet is the fact in Internet of Technologies because we are so connected. You know, We have the ability to not only do e-commerce but also to do harm. And we need to make sure we're very careful how that's utilized. So when someone attacks someone else's system, what the, what the unintended consequences might be. And that doesn't make any difference whether it's a government needing to make that decision or it's a group of criminals that are looking to attack a system. It's just not like a precision way of just taking out specific piece of equipment. Oftentimes, there are other repercussions across the Internet, and these things need to be very well thought out. They need to have very, very clear doctrine about, and I think it's very important to make sure that as we move forward, all things are taken into consideration on this, because what happens is while governments may be operating in a less than friendly or a hostile manner, the people still have to get on with their life, and that's one of the things that I think our government is particularly sensitive to, and that's the fact that there's got to be disruption of the the bad things without disrupting the good things that go along with it. And of course, on the internet, we have both appearing oftentimes simultaneously. Okay, well, I thank you again, Howard, and I hope we could talk soon. My pleasure. That's Howard Schmidt, President of the Information Security Forum. 
I'm Eric Chabro of the Information Security Media Group and GovInfoSecurity.com. Thanks for listening.